of the Yuans podcast, a look back at the Watford match against Newcastle in the Premier League, and a look back at the Watford FC women as they took on the Sheffield United Blades at the Technique Stadium this past Sunday. All of that is coming up next on this brand new edition of Welcome to this brand new edition of the Yuan's Podcast in the cold light of Watford Tuesday. I'm Omar Moore. And here we are again. We are back after Watford won Newcastle 1 on Saturday at Vicarage Road in the Premier League. And that's where we're going to start here. Watford FC. Welcome to this brand new edition of the Yuan's Podcast. I'm Omar Moore. And we are back. The dust, the golden dust, has settled. And we are in the cold light of Watford Tuesday. Whenever you're listening to this, a look back now at two matches this weekend that just passed. The Watford FC women taking on Sheffield United at the Technique Stadium and the Watford FC men at home at Vicarage Road against Newcastle United. Let's start with the ladies, shall we? It is ladies first, and Watford FC women had a trip to Sheffield United this past Sunday, and it did not end well. Watford ended up losing by a score of three goals to nil. They played well, played better throughout the first half of the game and battled hard, but they were hit with early goals against them. And that really undid them, despite their good play in this match. I think there was a goal scored literally after the first four or five minutes, and then another just a few minutes later. So within the first 10 or 15 minutes, Watford were down by a score of two goals to nil, and it was an uphill climb. But still, Watford persisted and played well, but they just could not get a foothold into the game enough that would have put them on track for what would have been a great comeback here. I think as a team, the Watford women played very well and stuck to their task, but those early goals have proven to be a real bugaboo for Watford, conceding goals early before they really get settled into a game and as a result, putting them on the back foot almost immediately. This happened in the game um, earlier on in the season where they conceded fairly early against Liverpool. And I think the same thing happened against Durham on opening day. And if I remember correctly from the Blackburn game, the same thing as well happened fairly early on in that game. They conceded, um, if I remember correctly. I, I mean, all of these games, they seem to just kind of blend into one. But I think that the Watford women had conceded fairly early in the game against Blackburn, um, or maybe a little later, but Watford played very well in that game against Blackburn, especially in the first half. And then the second half, um, when the goals started to go in, especially in the second half, I think the second half goals went in, I think their heads dropped, and they never really got back to challenging Blackburn. 
But in this game against the Sheffield United Blades, the Sheffield United team played well uh, and um, very physical in this game as well. And the bad news for Watford was this, that two of their players were injured fairly badly. Um, Anaisa uh, Hanley, I think, was injured um, and was able to walk off under her own power as best as I remember it. Um, and so she, um, I don't know what her status is going to be for the game against Charlton Athletic this coming Saturday, but she did get an injury. Um, I don't know, again, I'll have to find out what the status was, but I certainly hope that she, um, Harney, excuse me, I pronounced her last name wrong, Inaisa Harney was injured, and I just hope that she um, gets back to the best of health if she is, you know, severely injured or any kind of injury at all. I just wish her a speedy recovery and safe return. And also one of the really sad sights was to see and to learn of Rosie Kamita being stretched off after a after an injury that that looked really serious. And I am very concerned, particularly about Rosie Kamita. I think that um that's a that's a very serious injury. She had to be stretched off. Now, please send your your prayers and, and positive wishes and positive vibes to Rosie Kamita. She is at R-O-S-I-E-K-M as in Mike, I-T as in Thomas, A as in Apple. Rosie Kamita. And she is the left-wing player on Watford. Um, and she has played well and actually has a few assists, uh, one or two assists so far this season. She supplied a really gorgeous cross, a great cross over to uh, Helen Ward for one of the goals that they scored, that Watford scored against Liverpool um, in the uh, in, in at Vicarage Road. And it was to learn that she had been stretched off was, was very dis- distressing. And I certainly do hope, uh, Rosie, um, if you happen to be listening or if someone um, who knows you happens to be listening, I, I want to hear, send my, um, my best wishes to you for a safe, speedy recovery and for you to get back to the best of health, to the best of who you are. And um, when you have done that, you know, and and that and that will take some time. Based on the injury, it seems you know, pretty pretty serious. But I do wish you um, a speedy recovery, and and hope to see you back on the pitch before too long. But mo- most importantly, um, for you to have the best of health and recover in your way first, in your way. Um, never mind getting back on the pitch; just recovering for you. I think sometimes we lose sight of those kinds of things, you know. We we all want the players at our club to get back quickly on the pitch, but I think sometimes some of us lose sight of the fact that these are people and first and foremost, they need to recover for their own um, physical and mental health. And then when they are ready to come back onto the pitch, then they come back onto the pitch. But first and foremost... For themselves, Rosie, uh, I really do wish you the um, best of health, speedy recovery, 
and I'm really sorry about your injury. I'm sorry to learn that you were injured in this manner and, and that you had to be stretched off. And I really do hope that in time um, you are able to um, heal and I know you will. And then when you are ready to get back on the pitch, then that's what you do. But most of all, um, for you and for your family, that you are able to um, rest, recover, um, and you know, journey through this process of coming back from injury. Those were the two things that hampered and really marred the game at Sheffield United. Watford were positive in this game, and and then for the game to, you know, the last. 15 or 20 minutes of that game uh, or so to be so hampered by the injuries and and by these real tough setbacks it's going to put Watford FC at a distinct disadvantage without those two players particularly Rosie Kamita whose injury I think was a lot more serious or was more serious I should say um, than Ionisa's uh, but still, the point that both of them are, are injured or, or certainly left the field of play and did not return, um, you know, is a concern, certainly. And so is Watford's start to the season in the championship. It's a real concern now. It's four losses from four games for Clinton Lancaster and the Watford FC women and I wonder where these points are coming from Charlton perhaps will be a good start I'm hoping so but performances are there I think Watford FC are giving their all I think that each of the women on the pitch is very talented I I think is given everything they can give uh, I do think um, their heads dropped a bit against Blackburn that's the one thing and they did not perform well um, and did not react well to the goals going in there. They really did not. I think that's probably the half of football in that second half of all the performances that I've had had seen or had glimpses of. That one may be the one that wasn't their best at all. might have been their least uh, impressive of, of the entire campaign thus far. But what I'm very encouraged by with Watford is their play on the ball. When they get the ball and go forward, they do look like they've got real purpose in going forward. Um, I think the goalkeeper, as I've talked about before, Georgia Ferguson, I think, is razor sharp. Uh, I like the play of Adi Fatugadada. I like the play of uh, Amber Keegan Stobbs, who I spoke to recently on this podcast. I spoke, uh, you know, I, I, I like the play of a lot of the the whole team in general, you know, Helen Ward, I can name all of them, Jenna Legg, and everybody that comes on the pitch for Watford, I think puts in a really good shift and is at it, you know, but the results aren't coming, which tells me that the results are going to come. As long as the Watford FC women continue to play this way, no reason for me why these, why these results won't turn around. If they get a point on Saturday at home against Charlton, I think that will do them a world of good. I think the mindset will be a lot more positive, obviously. Uh, and I'm sure that it's positive, even though they've lost these first four games. But it will be obviously a much more positive um, endeavor for the Golden Girls if they are to get a point or get a win 
on Saturday. And of course, that is the goal to get a win this Saturday against Charlton Athletic. And I certainly, for one, hope that it happens this weekend to break the the duck and get off of the mark. And that's what is really needed now. If a point happens, it happens. But if three points happen, that's what we really would like to see this coming Saturday. And you can be there at the Vic live in person this coming Saturday to watch the Golden Girls play against Charlton Athletic. And it will be a very good thing indeed if Watford were to get the victory. The game is at 2 p.m. this Saturday. Get your tickets now at Vicarage Road for this game or get them online. You can buy them online as well at watfordfc.com and go from there for tickets, etc., etc. And you can find the tickets and you can purchase them. And season tickets also are very, very affordable as well. And you get a great view of the action on the pitch. And this weekend at the Vic, once again at 2 p.m. this Saturday, October 2nd, 2021, Watford FC take on Charlton Athletic in the championship. Best of luck this weekend, Watford FC women. And come on, you Golden Girls, as you take on Charlton. All the very best of luck there. Coming back after the break, a look back at the Watford FC men as they took on Newcastle United in the Premier League at the Vic this past Saturday. Greetings, fellow Watford fans. Omar Moore here, inviting you to the Yuan's Merchandise Store. Please shop there right now at youorns.com. That's Y-O-U-O-R-N-S.com. Merchandise galore. More being added. New items designed by yours truly. All, all new, all designed by yours truly. The Yuan's Merchandise Store is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Worldwide shipping. You can purchase in credit card, in PayPal, and other ways to make sure you register your transaction right through yuons.com. It's safe, it's easy, it's secure, and we do worldwide shipping. So why not come on down and shop right now at the Yuons Merchandise Store at yuons.com. Now, a little bit of social media housekeeping, if you will. And thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I really do appreciate your time. Don't forget to follow the Yuans podcast and follow Yuans on social media at Yuans WFC. That's Yuans WFC on both Twitter and Instagram. Yuans WFC is also available on Facebook and most importantly of all, the YouTube channel where you can type in on YouTube, you owns WFC. You will get the channel and then you can subscribe. Please do to the you owns WFC YouTube channel. Make sure you do this right now. Thank you.
Welcome back to this brand new episode of the Yuans. I'm Omar Moore. And here we are in the cold light of Watford Tuesday. Looking back now at the Watford game against Newcastle at the Vic in the Premier League this past Saturday. And this really was one of those games where Watford did not press their advantage when they had to and did not perform at all in the first half. After the first 90 seconds where Emmanuel Dennis had two quick shots in succession saved by Newcastle goalkeeper Carl Darlow, Watford did very little else aside from a shot from Ismail Sar that Darlow parried in that first half. Watford were non-existent as a team on the field. No identity, no purpose. It seemed as if they had thrown in the towel in that first half and Newcastle were invited to come on in and have a good time. It was Watford being very nice, I would call it. Very nice and very charitable in that first half to Newcastle, who were rude. They became very rude guests. Bullied us about the pitch, bossed us about the pitch, got very physical with us. That was the game plan from Steve Bruce, the Newcastle manager. Newcastle coming in had not won in the Premier League thus far. And the game plan... Clearly from the off in this one, when you look at it, was Steve Bruce telling his side that they had to get physical with Watford, that they had to bully Watford, that they had to leave a mark on Ismail Assar, to leave something on him. That was the game plan, and Watford gladly acceded to that game plan. Newcastle's game plan worked, and Newcastle left something on Saar. Newcastle fouled him over and over again in that first half. By the way, the referee who I thought had a good first three or four minutes, had a horrendous rest of the game. I don't think the referee knew what he was doing. I honestly don't. But that's a whole other story for another podcast episode, I guess. That referee um, was clueless in much of that match. And I don't think he should be allowed to referee another Premier League game for at least a month. He needs to sit down and look at the fundamentals of how you're refereeing a game. The best referees, and I don't think there are that many best referees in the Premier League, quite frankly. The best referees have a sense of the tempo, have a sense of the game, have a sense of the speed of the game and the temperature of the game. And he didn't. He was dropped in from another planet. That's the way I felt about the referee. But that's enough about the referee. Back to the game itself between the two teams. And Newcastle were able to boss us across and about the pitch. It really was that kind of game in the first half. Newcastle made runs forward. They made runs through the heart of the midfield, through the heart of the defense. Alan Sam Maxima, who was a really good player, was a pain in the neck. He continued to run forward on the channels, on the, on the wing, on the channels and through the middle. And you had Sean Longstaff, who should have had a hat trick in that first half. Watford should have been, should have been absolutely done and dusted by Newcastle at halftime. But because Newcastle are Newcastle and they're not Chelsea or Liverpool or Manchester City or Manchester United, they only went in with a 1-0 lead at halftime, which flattered Watford. Newcastle should have been at least 3-0 up. And as I said, Sean Longstaff should have had a hat-trick. He scored his goal and the goal he scored was a good strike, but a very poor attempt by Ben Foster in the Watford goal who should have saved that shot. I mean, as good as the shot was, and I tip my hat to Longstaff, the goalkeeper was not good enough to meet that shot and do something to save it. The, the goalkeeper for us was cycling 
at the time because he just should have had his hands up. In fact, he did have his hands up. The ball went right through his hands. It should have been a ball parried away or tipped over the bar or tipped around the bar. That should have been what happened there. Instead, it went straight through Ben Foster's arms for the second straight game now. And that goal went in. And it's a real concern because it's a long-range shot. It's a fairly long-range shot. Just like the one with Temo Puki was the week before at Norwich. And I think in both instances, Foster should have done better. He should have saved both of those. But Foster would redeem himself in the second half. And I'll get to that. But in the first half of the game, Newcastle owned us. Completely owned us. And bossed us around. And marked their territory. And had it not been for better finishing, we would have been finished in that game. The second half, however, was another story. And it was Ben Foster who was a catalyst for that second half with two good, strong saves fairly early in the half. And that sparked Watford, as did the play of everybody on the team. As they went forward, they went for it. They moved the ball quicker. They had purpose. They made some substitutions. Tom Cleverley came off with a concussion substitution just to be safe. On came, um, and I forgot who came on for who actually, but I know Jao Pedro came on. Kuchka came off. Um, Tufan came on. Um, in, in, I believe in the protocol substitution exchange. And they're on, they're on, and they're on, you know, and that's what happened. And the team seemed to have a bit of life. The team seemed to move the ball better. The team went forward more. They went forward as a group, you know, and you saw the positivity coming out of Watford there. And they played very well, I think, much better in that second half, fashioned some chances, kept Watford, um, kept Watford fans in the match as well who were very good throughout the match, but really gave them something to keep cheering about for sure, and kept Newcastle on their toes in that second half. Now, for me, Newcastle, though, still had too many chances. And I think what happened in the first half is that Watford let Newcastle onto them, which was a really bad thing. We've seen this in a number of games this season where Watford, whether they've scored first or not, have had a tendency of allowing teams to come on to them. We saw this in the game against Norwich when Watford scored first in the first half, letting Norwich come on to them. Norwich got their equaliser. We saw this in the game at Tottenham when Tottenham um, and Watford were nil-nil. And after the first five minutes where Watford were really bright and really energetic, Watford retreated into their shell and allowed Tottenham to come on to them. And then Tottenham scored from the set-piece goal. We've seen this happen on a number of occasions and perhaps... Except for the game against Aston Villa, although John McGinn scored right after the Cucho Hernandez goal that put Watford up 3-0. Perhaps except for the Villa game, in pretty much every game that Watford have played in the Premier League thus far, they have allowed teams to come on to them. Now, the Brighton game was just a non-starter. So that game, I'll throw that out because they, they did, it wasn't a question of letting anything on. Watford just didn't perform in that game. So you throw that out the window. But these are the games... Um, after Brighton, they have allowed teams to come back onto them and come onto them, especially after Watford score their first. And now Watford have got to stop doing that. It's a bad habit. It's not a good habit to have. And it happened again in the Newcastle game, first half and in the second half, when Watford scored their equaliser. And it was a deserved equaliser. The build-up play was very good. It was a corner kick from Danny Rose, who was marvellous again on Saturday. The ball found the head of Josh King, who headed, flicked it over, flicked it on to 
the path of Ismail Asar, who was waiting. You can see him poised and waiting and ready to head that ball in before he did it. And he headed it right into the back of the net, past Carl Darlow, in front of the rookery, 1-1. And level terms, there we are. And the, the whole place buzzed and sparked. And then Watford retreated. They did, the, did this again. They did not press forward that advantage that they just had off of scoring that goal. They didn't do it. And that, to me, was disappointing. They did it again in the late moments of the game where, for me, not clinical enough and not aggressive enough. They really had an opportunity to put Newcastle away there. And for those 10 minutes after that goal, they were very much, I'd say, a bit more passive. I'm not saying that they actually went to sleep. They didn't. But Watford did not attack Newcastle enough and put them on their heels and on their backs and as a result of that, there's that 10 to 15 minutes of sustained pressure that was not there, that should have been there after the saw equalizer. And for me, that was the opportunity lost where Watford, I think, um, got out of this with only a point um, is because they, I, part of the reason is because they didn't use that intervening 10 minutes right after that saw 72nd minute goal to really batter Newcastle. And they did start doing that, but only in the 85th minute, some 10 plus, 13 plus minutes after the goal. And so that to me was 10 minutes that went by where I don't think Watford pressed enough against Newcastle. And you're the home team. You've got to go for it there. And I don't think Watford did that quite enough in the game. Now, when it came to minute 84, 85 and on, Watford were on it, throwing full hammer and tongs at Newcastle throwing the kitchen sink at them. And it resulted in Josh King putting the ball in the back of the net. Unfortunately for Josh King and for Watford, he was offside, as were two other Watford players. And Josh King's celebration before he found out he was offside was really great. But I look forward to Josh King celebrating and having the goal be given. <laughs> I look forward to that very soon indeed. And Josh King, again, was marvellous. His work rate he is really good. He's working really hard for the team in and out of possession. Again, as I always say, he has a keen awareness of where to run into space. He opens up the pitch. He provides opportunities for other players. He, I think he has three assists now uh, on, the, on the year so far. He had an assist to the header to get saw his goal. So Josh King has been absolutely the, the right player for Watford. Um, he's not one-dimensional. Um, he gives you much more. I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna think about the past, um, so I'm not gonna mention other people who have been brought in at Vicarage Road and have been tremendously disappointing. Um, Josh King hasn't scored a goal, but he has been far more enterprising and far more exciting to watch because you watch the fundamentals, you watch the little, in, the intangibles that he brings, and it's a delight to see because you know when he starts scoring he is really going to start scoring a lot of goals. I think Josh King could end up with between 10 and 15 goals this season in the Premier League. And I know that sounds fantastical, perhaps, to some of you, but I do think that he's going to start scoring goals and he might get a couple um, in the next game or two. I really do think it's possible he will get a couple of goals here um, in the next little while. I mean, I know there's some tough games coming up, don't get me wrong. But I am, uh, again, a big fan of Josh King. I might have to get his shirt because um, he has been very good, 
Very good. And uh, I, I think Watford fans, we as fellow Watford fans, we all know that he's putting in a shift, that he's lively, that he cares, that he is enjoying his football, even though he hasn't scored yet. And I predicted he would score against Newcastle. I did not predict that he would be offside once he scored. So, you know, that's it happens. But this is the path, right? This is the right track. The fact that he is now doing this, it's the stages of progression that you're seeing from this team. And as I say, it's going to be when we get to game 10 or so that we're going to start finding out what we've got on the pitch. This team is still getting used to each other and still getting used to this league. I think they're finally beginning to see what this league is now after six games. And after six games, they sit in 12th place. Now, of course, we've got 32 more Premier League games to go in this particular season. So it's early doors yet. But six games in, many Watford fans would not have pictured Watford being in 12th place. There are a number of Watford fans who thought that after six games, they would be in the bottom four or bottom three. And right now, 12th place after six games with seven points, two wins, one draw, three defeats. I think that's about right. I have always been telling you, and before this season started, I told you, that Watford, I think, will finish in 11th. So right now, if you average out what's going on, they will finish right around there. Now, of course, there's going to be games that are going to be very difficult. We know that some of those are coming up soon. But Watford are in a good position at the minute. They just need to continue building and working. And I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see Tufan play a few more of these games. I don't think he's ready to start yet. You're going to see Jao Pedro start to play a few more of these games. He's not quite match fit yet. We saw him come on the pitch for 20 minutes. Not not at it, really. Um, it, it was good for presence sake, to for his presence and for him to be out on that pitch after that knee injury that he got in July during training. So I think it was a mental thing for him to see him get on the pitch. It's good for him. It's good for him mentally. And, and it puts him in a good frame of mind. But we're not going to see... Jao Pedro, the Jao Pedro that we know and love until a few weeks from now. It's going to take time for him to build up to speed. Don't forget, this is not the championship he's come back to. It's the Premier League. So he's going to have to not only get to speed with match fitness and conditioning, he's going to have to get to, up to grips with the speed of the Premier League. Although Jao Pedro is a younger player, is not going to have any problem with that. But it's going to still take him some time. And then to find his timing and his rhythm again, it could take another five to ten games before we really get to see that from him, depending on how much he gets to play. And so it was nice to see Jao Pedro out there. But this team is still gelling. And to fellow Watford fans, to those of you, and I think as Watford fans, we are naturally uh, more skittish and worried. And we have every right to have that. And I think fans in general across the board in football are inherently more, um, I want to say fear-based, but inherently more worried about this side, but because they care. It's because they care. It's not because they're necessarily negative people inherently. I don't think that's it. I think that I think the fans care. We care about our team. We care about the club and we want the clubs to the club to succeed. Uh, I think it's that simple, really. And so naturally you are gonna get a sizable contingent of our fan base be worried about the club, be worried about where they're finishing, thinking that they're going to probably finish 15th or 16th or 17th. 
uh, you know, during one of the Watford spaces, one of the fellow Watford fans expressed a worry about that, 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 that um, still a little concern. And yeah, I've heard that from some fellow Watford fans, some, some concern still, despite the performance, despite the result. I mean, it was not a good performance against Newcastle, but we, we understand, you know, they're still, they're still getting to know each other. I mean, my, my message to people, to fellow Watford fans who are concerned in that way about them, is that this team is still getting to know each other. This is not the finished article at Watford, right? This team is still getting to know each other. This team is still learning about each other. And this team is still getting to gel. It takes a while. Which is why I say when you get to 8, 9, and 10, games 8, 9, and 10 in the Premier League, you're going to start to see a sense of what you're looking at with this team. Now, granted, in these first six games, we have seen what we are looking at. And what you're seeing, to me, is not the finished product. You are seeing this team work through the issues it has. You are seeing this team work through some of the ill-disciplined moments where they switch off. You are seeing the team do that. And the defense still needs to be sorted out. And I still think in January, Watford are going to need a couple of defenders. And I think they're going to need those defenders to keep the starting defenders honest and to provide competition for them. And I think that's what's going to have to happen. Of course, a lot of us have said that this should have happened before the season began and that Watford should have gone for that in in the defense and, and get some defenders before the season. It didn't happen that way. And Matty Pollock is um, off, um, I think he's at Cheltenham, I'm not sure, but he is off for the season there or wherever he might be. And um, he's not going to get to play for Watford this season. But I do think that Watford should be investing in defenders no matter what in December, in January. I think no matter what. Um, I don't have any issue with their forward line. I think it's very good. Um, it's going to get better. You know, it's going to get better. Josh King's going to start to score. And when Josh King starts to score, look out. This is a good team we've got here on paper and on the field. And it just has to take a bit more. It's going to take a bit more time. I know we as Watford fans want it to happen tomorrow. We want it, it to happen, you know, last week, last month. But it's going to take time. It's going to take time for a newly promoted team, albeit one that is familiar with the Premier League, but this particular team is constituted, has not played together before, except for these first few games of the Premier League season, obviously the preseason. And a number of these players starting now weren't in preseason with Watford or from or weren't in much of it for Watford. Uraj Kuchka came in pretty late and played only one or maybe one preseason game, if not two. And of course, Suzoko came in during the season, right? And he's a regular starter with Kuchka, right? Then you've got um, a player like Tufan who's come in during the season. You've got Jao Pedro who's come back to health during the season. So you have to look at that and keep in mind that this team is not up to its best yet. I would be saying something very different if Watford had been established um, and these players had been playing together for a couple of seasons like they had been um, in the previous Premier League season and started um, wobbly or started the way they did in the previous Premier League campaign. But this campaign, for you've got to look at it this way. Look at this for the bright side of things, if you will, for a second. 
for this team to be still finding itself and have seven points after six games and be mid-table, 12th place, I think is very good. And this team isn't even where it's going to be yet. And for that is a very positive sign that I think Watford fans overall should look at and look toward that brighter side of the equation. Because I think seven points from six games, newly promoted with 12 different players in your team coming and going, ins and outs, the rock of your team is left, right? And for them to be mid-table is very good. Is very good. And as I said, I think they're going to finish 11th. We'll wait and see. Still lots of games to play. They're going to be some tough games ahead. But again, you're not going to get a really good sense of this team until we really get to the 8, 9, 10, to the 10th game of the season. And then I think you can make a really good assessment, an honest assessment. Well, you can make honest assessments anytime. You can make honest assessments in, the, in any minute of any game of Watford. But I'm saying that as a team and as a unit, you can really get and make a really good assessment of them through 10 games. And let me tell you, after these six, if, if you had told me, and now I listen, I always thought they were going to finish mid-table and we still got a long way to go and lots of things can happen and will happen during the season. But if you are a Watford fan out here, I bet you would have bitten off somebody's hand, maybe your own, for a 12th place spot right now after six games, ahead of teams like Wolves, ahead of teams like Palace, ahead of teams like Leicester. You would have taken that. You would have absolutely taken that after six games. Now, granted, the season doesn't end here. But I'm telling you, this team isn't even at its best yet. And it is sitting nicely in 12th place. So I think the future looks bright. I think that despite the poor performance in the first half against Newcastle, I think this team absolutely um, is in the right direction, going the right way. I do think that Watford should have um, pushed more in that second half after the saw goal. And had it not been for some poor Newcastle finishing, we could have been finished even after that goal was scored, because, of course, I keep going back to that Jacob Murphy one-on-one with Ben Foster, who, as I say, redeemed himself with some excellent staves in that second half. And then one-on-one with Foster, you've got to finish that. And Jacob Murphy just kicks the ball straight at Ben Foster. It's incredible that he missed. Uh, Newcastle missed two open goals, basically, and a one-on-one situation. I mean, Newcastle uh, are going to be the more disappointed team in that way. Uh, there's no way around it. They they are going to be. They were disappointed not to come out of there with three. I think Watford were very fortunate. I think Watford played far better in that second half. I would not say though that they dominated the second half. Now I know that people will see it differently because it's one thing to dominate a second half. It's quite another thing to play better in a second half. And Watford played better in the second half overall than Newcastle did. They played better in the second half than they played in the first. And I think that's really the prevailing um, view I have on this. And if they had dominated that second half, they would have won the game. And I get it. Sometimes you in football, you dominate a game and don't win it. I know. But if they had dominated that second half, 
I think they would have found a way past Newcastle because when you really get to Newcastle, they have a soft underbelly defensively and you can exploit them. They didn't have Jamal Lascelles in that game. I think that was a big miss. And I think perhaps if they had Jamal Lascelles in that game, they might have gone on to win it. But I don't remember him being in the game anyway. But um, I think Watford did well to keep Joe Willett quiet. They did that successfully. That was obviously part of the game plan. Uh, Matt Ritchie did not have a great game, although he was busy for Newcastle. So I think Watford did slow down some of the key players. And I don't think Ryan Frazier had a kick in that game at all. Either he was injured or just didn't come on. But I think Watford did their job in the main. But again, those 12 minutes after Saar scored were a key and Watford did not make the best use of them, but they did push forward the final five to 10 minutes into injury time and should have come away with a late goal. Ball just passed the outstretched Josh King, who just, I think the ball just went over and just passed him. And go, uh, oh, that was such a close opportunity. But again, Watford, I like what I'm seeing from them, despite the poor first half against Newcastle, now against Leeds. They're going to have to be on their toes. They're going to have to be aware that Leeds are constantly on the front foot. They've got better finishers than Newcastle do. They've got players that have got much more pace than Newcastle as a team does. You're going to see an all-out open-style football from Leeds. They are relentless at it. They are absolutely open. They leave themselves open at the back, so that's something that Watford have to look at. And I think as a result, Watford at times, I think, should press high press up the pitch. Now, you can't do it all the time in the Premier League because you know very well that you leave yourself open and vulnerable. And I don't think that this team in this formation as constructed is going to be able to press very much because out of possession, they will have to really come back. And against Leeds, as pacey as Leeds are, that would be a problem because I don't think Watford are as pacey as Leeds are. I just don't think they are. Now, they've got fast individual players, Watford do. But I don't think as a team, Watford have the kind of of pace that Leeds do. And as counter-attacking wise, they don't either. They don't move the ball as quickly as Leeds do either. And so I do think, though, that Watford could benefit from some high pressing in this game. I would expect Cisco to do some of that, but he's going to have to be disciplined about how and when he does it. The key for me, as I preview the Leeds game now here, is that Watford are going to have to come out again, as it is every week, with a mindset and a mentality that says from minute one to minute 95, we are switched on and we are going to commit every phase of our game to making sure we do the right thing, making sure we are on the front foot. We have to let Leeds know we are here. We have to let Leeds know when we go to Elland Road that we are coming for you and we don't care how many of your fans shout at us, scream at us. We are coming here to take three points. You haven't won a game this season in the Premier League. We are coming to take three points from you. That is the mentality that Watford have to have on the road in a hostile atmosphere. It's going to be very hostile at Ellen Road. It is for any opponent because the fans are on top of you there. And I think Watford are going to have to, first five minutes, establish a rhythm and a tempo and a comfort of possession. Now, you're not going to have a lot of possession. Uh, I know Leeds counterattack, but Watford are probably going to have Maybe they'll have less of the ball. I don't know. It might be very close possession-wise. Maybe Leeds will. But the point is, is that Watford need to build some comfort level in holding onto the ball for a minute or two. Establish yourself onto the game with each other on that pitch first. Get, the, get a feel of the ball. Get a feel of the rhythm. Get a feel of the passing. Have your passing snap a little bit. Express yourself a bit. 
Express yourself a lot. That's my message. I really hope that Watford do that. That's my advice. Get comfortable in possession. Pass the ball about a bit. Move the ball a bit quicker. Establish yourself. Establish a tempo. That's what I want to see on Saturday. That's what I hope Watford execute on Saturday. Get yourself comfortable with the possession and the speed and the movement. And then start putting it together and build a base off of that. And then move forward and keep moving forward. And know what your defensive role is when you are defending. When you don't have the ball and you're out of possession, you've got to know what kinds of spaces. And I'm sure they know this because they're looking at film of leads. They've looked at film. I'm sure they have already. And they have to know where the space is going to be. Because leads play in a very direct way. They use all of the pitch. They use the wide channels especially. You're going to watch their play down the middle uh, a little bit, but mostly on the channels. They are a flank team. They absolutely are. Ch- Rafinha is going to be going down that right side. Danny Rose will have to be ready. They may have to use two defenders on him. And, and they may have to double up and cover up and do double coverage on that side of the pitch. Um, we'll have to see about it. That may necessitate a formation change. They may go through at the back to deal with that. I don't know if they if they would do that. Probably they wouldn't do that. The three at the back, actually. But uh, maybe they if they did do three at the back and they played, say, 3-5-2, you could have someone in that mid drop back and help um, on that side for Danny Rose. I think that's possible. I think that's possible. Maybe you would do it that way, uh, possibly. You have one of your mids drop out from the five and come back and help. Um that's possible. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, Cisco has generally not changed his formation to start the game with. Um, he may have to do some of that in-game, and I hope he does if that's what comes down to. We saw what happened at Brighton where there were no in-game changes until half time, and I think that hurt them in that game, as I talked about before, when that game took place. Um, but I think Cisco will have to be ready for that if the game plan isn't working to not be afraid to make the changes in-game or make the formation change in-game if he has to. And um, I think that could be important here. But Leeds, you're going to have them coming on to you. I think Watford at times should adopt a high press. I know that Cisco um, hasn't done that in the Premier League and understandably so because, again, you can get caught out with the ball and lose it and you could be in trouble in a heartbeat in the Premier League. And in the Championship, he's done it uh, with the high press. Because you have the luxury of holding onto the ball a bit and you can get that ball back fairly quickly um, if you lose it. But in the Premier League, um, you may not get that ball back if the team that's taken it from you um, strings together you know, a lot of possession. Like, say, a Manchester City, for example, who keeps the who really lulls you to sleep with the amount of time they've got on the ball. I mean, you can go to sleep and wake up 15 minutes later, they still have the ball. I mean, that's Manchester City. But we are not Manchester City. We're not trying to be Manchester City. I will say this, though. We need to attack the ball more. When we're in defense, we need to attack the ball. And we didn't do that against Newcastle. And we need to do that against Leeds, especially with the kind of pace Leeds have. Because if you go forward, you can lose the ball. You can. And you can get caught out. And one thing about Leeds is that they will leave the back exposed. They are good for conceding at least one or two goals a game. And my only concern is that Leeds haven't had a breakout game yet. Leeds have not had that game where they've scored three. 
when they've scored a load of goals in a game. And um, at least to the best of my memory right now. But Watford will have to be careful because Leeds, who haven't won yet in the Premier League this season, are really going to come at us. And again, my whole thing is when Leeds come at us as they're going to, what is our game plan off the ball? How is that defence sitting? What are we doing to narrow the pitch? Are we going to stop those uh, Rafinha runs? And are we going to do use double coverage on Rafinha? Are we going to change the formation? Are we going to have someone from from the midfield uh, five drop back and double up the, the the flank and stop and stop that run? Because that's going to be the key. And Rafinha loves to run in behind. He loves to run in to space. He loves to come in from the right and drift in and just attack the goal. And we're going to have to really be switched on defensively. I think this game is going to be very much about the defences and how the two defences deal with each other. Luke Ayling on the, on the lead side of things, I think is a really good defensive player. I think he's left back, left or right, I forget which. But he, he is really good. Um, I have no doubt he's going to perform well. And I have no doubt that Danny Rose for us is going to perform well. I want to know how the rest of the defense is going to do. I want to know. We'll see about Cathcart. Um, will Cavaselli come in for Cathcart instead and partner with Truster Kong? I don't know. I think Truster Kong is going to be a very important factor in this game. And Cavaselli has the pace that Cathcart does not have coming into the game. So if Cathcart isn't playing, Cavaselli to me has to be partnering him. Truce to Kong, that is. Because I'm I, I'm not I'm not so sure about Sierra Alta. I still think he needs another game or two to sit on the sideline and then take a chance to bring him back. Um, but I don't know what Cisco's gonna do about it. I don't know. And I've heard a lot of things in various publications like The Athletic talking about some of this. Uh, and I don't want to speculate. I don't know. And I know Adam, Adam Levenfold is very much in the know. Uh, so he would know. So, I, But I don't want to add speculation to what Adam has said, which is, you know, that perhaps there are other things going on um, in team selection that may be beyond Cisco's control. And it wouldn't shock me if that were accurate. It really wouldn't. But But that's really not what my focus is. My focus here is for Leeds and Watford on Saturday in terms of what Watford's game plan is going to be off the ball. Because again, against Newcastle, they didn't have one. They didn't have one. They didn't close down space. They didn't close down at all. Their shape was out of shape. And they've got to attack the ball when they're not on the ball. They've got to close down space. And that might mean a change of formation. But no matter what the formation is, the mentality has to be there to commit. Danny Rose always commits. He always does. He made some really good tackles on Saturday against Newcastle. And you're going to see more of that from him. Danny Rose, you know, for someone who hasn't played but maybe seven or eight games in the last two seasons, Danny Rose, and to me, he's not even 100% match fit yet, despite playing all these games. You know, he played a full game, I think, uh, Saturday, he played the full game against Crystal Palace in the Cup game. Um, he played, I think, the full game against Norwich. And I still think he's got a few more percentages. I think he's probably about 90% match fit. I still think he's got maybe 10% more in the tank. 
So again, this team's future, I think, is looking good, despite the poor performance. I think it's a matter of how Watford's mentality continues here. I mean, I really think it, it, it does come down to that. Josh King's going to get his goals. I think you're going to see better goalkeeping from Foster. Although I think if Ben Foster continues to make mistakes as he's done the last two weeks, you might be looking at Rob Elliott. You might actually be because Daniel Backman is still injured. Minor knee problem. And I don't like that. Minor knee problem. That sounds, that doesn't sound good. And I hope that Backman's able to come back soon. But um, Foster, I'll be looking at him if he makes a mistake like he did the last two weeks. Although, again, second half against Newcastle, he was really on it and on top of it. So there you go. Those are my views for Watford versus Newcastle and the upcoming Leeds versus Watford match, which is a very important one for both of these sides. Leeds, who have not yet won this season in the Premier League, and for Watford, who are looking to move up the table some more um, and get a win here. And a win here would put them definitely somewhere around the top 10 and put them in really good position at the international break And then, of course, they've got a pretty strong, brutal run of fixtures in October. They'll play Liverpool. They'll travel to Everton. And then in November is really the one where it gets brutal. They play United, I think. And I think they may play City in there as well somewhere. Um, So they they, And they've got a number of fixtures in November that makes this Leeds game uh, imperative, quite frankly. If Watford can get three points against Leeds, I think... um, It puts the team in a better frame of mind, gives them even more confidence. But what I saw at the end of those last 10 minutes was a confident Watford side who left everything on the pitch in those final 10 minutes from minute 85 to minute 96, really 95, 96. And I think if they can carry on with that and carry that over to the start of the game against Leeds, I think you're going to see a a better Watford performance that could yield some positives and a positive result as well. I'm hoping for that. I know you're hoping for that. So let's see what happens this Saturday. That's all for this edition of the Yuan's podcast. I am Omar Moore. And until next time.